Tonight it is a privilege to invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 and I'm sure many of you are aware that the Lord has birthed within me a very unique trait is that anytime we're singing a song or listening to a song though the lyrics are great I'm always tying those lyrics into scripture and that song that we just heard ties two very critical passages of scripture and one thematic concept the famous story of David and Goliath and that giant who comes upon and into our life. And then Matthew chapter 17, that famous story where Jesus said, if we have the faith of a mustard seed, we can speak to the mountain and it will be moved. What's interesting is in that Matthew 17 passage, Jesus and Peter, James and John have been on the mountain of transfiguration. And there he was transfigured before them. Of course, Peter desiring to build you know, the synagogues there and to worship, he says, we must go down. Remember what they discovered at the bottom of the mountain. There was a man who was in distraught over his son, who kept throwing himself into the flame, kept throwing himself into the fire. We discover that he was demonically possessed. The disciples of Jesus who remained could not deliver him, but Jesus did so with ease. You remember the statement that Jesus made when they questioned, why were you able to do so when we were not? He said there that these come out only by prayer and fasting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, tonight, as we come to just but a few, a few verses of your holy scripture, Lord, a subject matter that is often spoken of, but rarely practiced. God, help us today to see the truth of your word from beginning to end so that our lives might be the living example of your word. It is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Tonight in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be in verse 16. Let me just kind of give you a brief reminder for those of you that may be new to us, kind of the intent, the motive, the desire of our study of the gospel of Matthew. Big picture is we're learning all of the scripture within one single book of the Bible because Matthew ties the Old to the New Testament. It takes us from the Old Covenant to the New, from the temple that was a building on the mount in Jerusalem to the temple, which is our body that the Holy Spirit indwells. What we know is the gospel of Matthew not only serves as that bridge, but it gives a synopsis of scripture from beginning to end. More specifically, we're in what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most famous messages ever delivered from the mouth of Jesus. Oftentimes, I think that we see this portion of scripture as kind of a a means or a guide for quote-unquote Christian living, But one of the things that we've discovered is rather than that, what Jesus has done is gathered those who entrusted the relationship with God in sacrifices and in gifts and festivals and feasts to discover that no matter how much we do, we'll never do enough. And at the end of what we know is the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us a very strong challenge. We can build our life on the rock, which is him. Or we can build it on the shifting sand, which is ourselves. In chapter 5, Jesus goes through a litany of illustrations of how we often sin and fail and come short in relationship to each other. In chapter 6, he does so in our relationship to the Lord. Addressing not only how we handle our finances, our prayer life, the forgiveness of others, but in particular today or tonight, a subject matter known as fasting. Now, I tease tongue-in-cheek that our goal is not to be better Baptist, but to be more biblical. 
And if there's ever been a more anti-Baptist passage, it is this one, the concept of fasting. And so tonight, I want us to achieve a goal biblically, separate the truth from fiction. Oftentimes, whether it's just this subject or others, we have constructs in our mind, we, we have teachings of our past, we have presumptions that often are so contrary to what Scripture actually says. And so tonight, beginning in verse 16 through 18, I want to address what Jesus said in regards to fasting in the context of the Sermon on the Mount of how we often woefully fall short and how to apply it to our own lives. He says, moreover, moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sound countenance. They disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when you fast, anoint thy head, wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Tonight, I want to do a brief overview of what fasting was in Scripture, what its intent is for us today, and why was Jesus calling them out for a hypocrisy that as we're going to discover tonight in a practice that wasn't near what often that we make it. Just a couple of constructs. The first is this. The concept of fasting was something that Jesus presumed. Notice what he says, when you fast, not if you fast, should you fast, should you like to do so. In other words, when you've got a group of people all of a background uh, that would be Jewish in nature, fasting was not something that they either said, eh, I'm into it or I'm not. Fasting was something that was practiced on a much regular basis. This wasn't a concept that was new to them. This wasn't a construct that they had never heard of before. It's not like somebody elbowed another person and said, fasting, what's he talking about? I've never done this. When you fast. In other words, that which had been a part and a practice of their life for many, many years. You know, one of the things that we often go to in scriptures what we call the law of first mention. The law of first mention means this, that anytime you see an issue in scripture, a concept, a doctrine, whatever it is, go to that very first time it's used and that will set the tone, that will set the pace for the rest of scripture to interpret in light of. The very first time we see the concept of fasting is in the book of Exodus chapter 34. It's a famous story. The Israelites have come out of what we know as captivity. They're now in the current wilderness. Should have been an 11-day journey. Turns into 40 years. But nonetheless, Moses is on the mount. And it says there that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, don't panic. The law first mentioned doesn't give us the process of fasting. It gives us the intent of fasting. I'm asking somewhat of a rhetorical question, but after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, what did Moses receive that he had not had prior to that event? The word of the Lord. Remember the famous 10 commandments? He had direct communication from God that changed his life. It changed everybody's life. So what we discover in the presumption of fasting is that we don't fast as a spiritual excuse to lose weight. 
We don't fast as these were so that others will think more of us than they should. Fasting by Jesus, according to scripture, is presumed to be that process by which when we set aside this time for this purpose, that we walk away knowing God's desire and intent for the situation or the circumstance by which we find ourselves in. Prior to Moses being on the mountain, he didn't have direction. He didn't know how to lead. He did not know how to bring the Israelites together. Afterwards, he was able to sit everybody down and 10 very clear commandments would guide their life. Then as you study in the Old Testament, what we know as the feast, we discover that in these feasts, though there was much ritual that was involved, that oftentimes fasting was a part of them. And what we know is Leviticus chapter 16 It discusses that a particular feast was to be celebrated on a certain month at a certain day. And when you go back to unleavened bread, there was a Sabbath on the first day and the last day. And there was all these details that when you go in, you start kind of unpacking. It seems somewhat tedious. But one of the things we discover is that with all of these feasts and all these festivals, the concept of fasting was just somewhat of a given. It was just a part of it. So how do we tonight marry these two concepts of desiring the word of the Lord while celebrating the Lord, realizing that it's probably not going to be for 40 days and 40 nights? We understand that there was a purpose to fasting. Though there are more than three, I would declare tonight that in the process of fasting, one presents themselves in humility before God to desire the favor of God and if necessary at times, the forgiveness of God. So let's talk about the process. Jesus said, moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of sad countenance. They disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I send you, they have the reward, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head, wash Thy face, listen to verse 18, that thou appear. In other words, there's a presence that one has in the process of fasting. So I want to speak to what fasting looked like biblically rather than what our, quote, concepts may be today. Sometimes a fast was partial. When I speak of partiality, I'm addressing now the items that one would refrain from. Uh, So fasting from food, fasting from water, fasting from nutrition, whatever it may be. In the book of Daniel chapter 10, it was simply a restriction of one's diet. In other words, consuming some, but not all. A partial fast was not to uh, possess the entirety of one's diet, but a limitation of one's diet. What's interesting is oftentimes, as we'll discuss in a moment, fasting is not as all in as you may presume. There are times where there was an absolute fast. An absolute fast means no food and no water. The majority of the time in scripture, it was a limitation of food, but rarely do you see a fast without water because we all understand that without water, things can go sideways pretty quick. Physically, nonetheless, allow me to share with you the, quote, absolute fast that we see in Scripture. Let's begin with the book of Jonah. 
Remember, Jonah comes into Nineveh after the whale spits him up on the beach of Joppa. He goes in, and what does the king do? He declares that everyone is to fast from food and water, including the animals. We make our way to the book of Esther. The Jewish people found themselves on the brink of destruction at the hand of a man by the name of Haman. And there in the book of Esther, chapter 4, she calls back to Mordecai, her uncle, and she says, have the Jewish people fast for me. Remember, she's going into the king to ask for favor, unannounced. She says, have them for three days and three nights. Consume no food or no water. The apostle Paul in the book of Acts, chapter 9, had been on the road to Damascus. He had met with Jesus Christ face to face on that road. And it says that afterwards when he went back and scales were over his eyes, that he consumed no food and drank no water for three days and three nights. Moses on the mount, Elijah as well in Deuteronomy and 1 Kings. Why do I go to such labor regarding these? Because this concept of an absolute put nothing in your mouth, food and or drink, not only is the minority position in Scripture, but it's also a position of sheer desperation. Nineveh on the brink of the judgment of God. The Jews on the brink of extermination. Paul having his entire world turned upside down on one single trip to a city called Damascus. Moses with the Israelites below. Elijah in the midst of rebellion. In other words, when we think of fasting... More often than not, we think absolutely nothing for an, a serious amount of time. And those are actually the rare occasions. So let's talk about a time frame. This is critical to Jesus' calling them out as hypocrites in this passage. In Scripture, typically, a fast was from sunrise to sunset. Now, I'll speak as Baptist. That's not that hard, folks. Sunrise to sunset. Allow me to share with you how lacking of difficulty that is. In the next couple of weeks, the Islamic faith is going to celebrate the month of Ramadan, where for 30 days, those that adhere to that faith will not eat from sunrise to sunset for 30 straight days. And if those who have a false understanding of the one true God and those who have a misunderstanding of Scripture, if they can do it for 30 straight days, why can't we Baptists do it for one? Again, when you look at the time frame that is involved here, the Esthers, the Pauls, the Elijahs, the Moseses, those are the exception to the rule, not the rule. Additionally, there are times where the Lord would ask somebody to fast in the night. Now, last time I checked, sunrise to sunset is not usually much different a time frame than sunset to sunrise. But nonetheless, in the book of Daniel, Darius the king, who was misled by his advisors and ended up putting Daniel in the lion's den, it says that even Darius fasted throughout the nights. Again, in the book of Esther, chapter 4, there is the occasion for three days and three nights. However, there are two incidences that are very clear to us 
that the Lord had his people fast for seven days. Now, this will stretch our Baptistness here. But nonetheless, these two events, Saul's burial. Saul, that first king of Israel, whose life unfortunately went the direction contrary to the Lord. When David was king, when Saul died and his body and the body of his children were nailed to the wall, it was commissioned to the people of Israel that for seven days and seven nights they would seek the Lord through fasting. The first king's life had been lost. Their world had been completely, as we say, rot. Then King David. Unfortunately, there was a child that was birthed out of an illicit, sensuous relationship. But later, he would have another child that would fall ill. And for the illness of that child, he would fast for seven days and seven nights. And then most commonly known are the 40-day fast. Moses, as previously mentioned, Elijah, and Jesus. That famous wilderness experience, the temptation that's recorded in Mark, I mean in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4, it says that he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights without food and without drink. One thing that is to be made of note, the 40-day fast is the exception even to the exception. And I would dare say in all those situations, we only find three in Scripture, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. I think that we can discern that there must be some divine assistance that was propagated. Because not only is it just those three, but those are the three that are mentioned in Malachi chapter 4, the last chapter of Old Testament. Those are the three that are mentioned on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17. What I'm trying to say is this concept of 40 days and 40 nights is not only a divine assisted fast, but it is a very strategically specific fast that I don't think any of us would claim to be either of those three in our own lives. Here's the problem. Jesus said, be not as the hypocrites. What is a hypocrite? Obviously, we typically define that as someone who presents one thing and their life is another. In this context, what Jesus was saying in their relationship to God is these were those that were going to the feast and the festivals and throughout time and they were fasting because they needed a word from the Lord or they needed comfort from the Lord and they were doing so in such a manner that when they left their house throughout the day, everybody knew that they were practicing this spiritual discipline. Everybody, because why? Oh, there is such a sad countenance. Oh, I'm so deprived, I cannot eat for seven more hours. I can't do it. Understand, the typical fast wasn't 40 days and 40 nights. It wasn't seven days. It wasn't even three days. Typically, by the time you saw somebody, quote, at the office, you only had to make it six to seven more hours. Can we just be honest? It's just not that difficult of a discipline. So what is Jesus calling out? He's saying that you're taking the thing that was designed to give you a word from God and by doing so, you're taking the Lord's name in vain. Let me define that in the Ten Commandments of which Moses received after the 40 days and 40 nights. It very clearly says, do not take the Lord's name in vain. And that is a whole lot more than that two-word phrase that we hear way too often on TV. To take the Lord's name in vain is to speak on behalf of the Lord 
or presumptuously preside on behalf of the Lord in an area of which he has not prescribed. In other words, it is to fast in such a way that it calls attention to yourself as being one of piety rather than one who just needs clarity. Understand, that's why we fast. Not because we need attention from others, but because we need attention from God. And the typical fast was from sunup to sunset. The intention of receiving clarity from the Lord, word from the Lord. And what were these individuals doing? They were making that which was designed to receive from God a word and attention to be received of oneself. So let's bring it to a parallel. How do we take these Jewish feasts, these festivals, these constructs, and apply them to our own lives today? We're not under the law. We are under grace. We're not seeking a Messiah. We're celebrating the one who's already risen from the dead. But what we know as fasting was actually prophesied by Jesus. Remember the Pharisees came to him in Matthew chapter 9 and said, we don't understand this. We're all fasting, but your disciples are not. I mean, why are they not doing what we're doing and how can you claim that you're in a better position than we are? And Jesus made a very famous statement. He said, how can the bride fast when the bridegroom is with them? There's coming a day when the bridegroom will leave. He was speaking of his death, his resurrection, ultimately his ascension. Notice what Jesus said, and then they shall fast. Why? Because when you're walking and talking with Jesus every step of the way, any question you ask him, you're getting an answer right there, right? Well, now, yes, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit, but there's a lot of questions we have in life. There's a lot of concerns we have in life, and we don't have the advantage of walking the streets of Jerusalem, of Bethany, of Nazareth, or whatever it may be, getting from location A to B and saying, hey, Jesus, you know this situation with my family? Can you give me a little advice here? I- I'm, 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 I'm struggling. You ever feel that way in life? You wake up going, God, I don't know what to do with this. I, I don't know where to go. I don't know what decision to make. Jesus said, when he departs, which he has in the flesh, He said, we fast so that we receive that word as if he were already walking among us. Let me remind you, that fasting doesn't require 40 days. doesn't even require seven. More often than not, it was just one solitary day where they focus on the things of God and not the things of the flesh. It was practiced by the early church. Acts chapter 13 You find those early believers spreading the gospel to and fro throughout all of the earth. And I want to quote for you in Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. I'm not going to put all the details of what's happening here, but I just want to utilize these key words. It said that we ministered and we fasted, we fasted, we prayed, we sent. The early church, in one verse, used the word fasting multiple times in regards, listen, to who they would send, where they would send, and how they would send. In other words, God, we need a word. We need direction. We don't know, do we go to this place or that place? Do we send this person or that person? So it says they fasted, they fasted, they prayed, and they sent. So what we discover is that when there are decisions in life where we don't know what direction to go, 
There's options A, there's B, there's this, there's that. It was fasting that the early church utilized. And finally, there's a pattern. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the apostle Paul makes this statement, in fastings often, not just on occasion, not just if everything goes sideways, and I'm quote in the proverbial pickle, he says, in fastings often. So how do we put a bow on this very non-Baptist biblical concept? Fasting, hopefully contrary to what you may have believed when you entered tonight, is not something that requires you to go without everything for 40 days and 40 nights. In fact, on a very rare occasion, do we even see people fasting from liquids, much less water. It is typically just what we utilize or know of as food. And it is for a period that more often than not is less than 12 hours in length with the purpose and the goal of seeking the word of God, the clarity of God, and the direction of God for our lives. Biblically speaking, this is a discipline that even Baptists can handle. So how do we not fall into the trap of being hypocrites? It's real simple. I'm going to just very much contemporize this. If you desire the word of God, you need the clarity of God, and you believe that God is calling you to fast, don't post it on Facebook, social media, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever you do. You may not even tell your spouse, your coworkers, your best friend. You know, it's not real hard when somebody invites you to a lunch meeting to simply say, I'm sorry, I'm just not feeling well right now. I'm just not in the mood to eat. You don't have to make a big deal about it. You don't have to say, oh, (laughs) hey, man, I I know we have this meeting, but you don't know I need a word from God. I'm fasting. (laughs) It's the hypocrites. You know what this means? It's just between you and God. Because the intent isn't for anybody else except for your relationship with God. God. Fasting's not that hard in the Bible. And Jesus pointed out they were getting it wrong because they were making it about them and not about him. So tonight, I think what we know is fasting is something that all of us not only should, but can practice. Let's pray. With their heads bowed, our eyes closed. Maybe tonight as we come to this time of decision, maybe there's an area in your life that needs direction and clarity. Maybe the Lord is calling you to set aside a few calories for a few hours of your life to receive an answer. Maybe tonight the decision isn't about something that would need to be made public, particularly in light of this passage, but just a time and a day between you and the Lord. But maybe tonight, There is something beyond the subject at hand. Maybe you are that one who needs to call on the name of the Lord. Maybe you are that one who's walking through something that you need somebody to pray with or pray for you. Maybe there is something that would necessitate you stepping out and stepping forward. We want you to know we would long for that privilege to speak with you regarding those matters. But maybe tonight, much like fasting, that which the Lord has called you to be a part of and to do is just between you and him.
not to be put on display, not to be posted, not even to be public. But whether private or public, what's most important is that we simply follow as he leads. And we, Father, as we come not just to a conclusion, but as we come to the beginning of where you desire to take us after this hour, Lord, you've spoken to our life. You've used your word to speak to matters even beyond the limited subject matter of what was addressed tonight. So God, I pray for each and every one of us. Lord, whatever that decision is, whatever that direction is, that we would heed your voice and simply allow you to lead us in that direction. It is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.